Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Long Overdue Podcast, and for today we have all the usual participants, myself, Chris, that's and, and then Denise, we have Dawn and Pat, and we're going to be putting on a special performance, several special performances <laughs> for you, Get ready for your uh, listening pleasure and enjoyment. Uh, our first performance is going to be a piece called Tally Jones. It is a story based on the folktale known as Taley Poe or sometimes Taley Bones. Uh, there's been a lot of renditions, but uh, this is uh, our own retelling of that story. Uh, we hope you like it. Adapted by Chris. Yes, it is. It was adapted by yours truly. <laughs> So, anyway, yes, we hope you, we hope you like it. A tourist, driving through the mountains, stops in a small town to rest, hoping to find provisions. However, it is a ghost town, with no one present. At every location, they find a sign. Huh, that's funny. Everywhere I go in this little ghost town, it says the same thing. No hunting, no cooking, no eating, especially tails. Well, that would explain why there's no one here, but tails? What's the big deal with tails? A gaunt stranger, remarkably pale, emerges from what was once a store. Oh, you startled me. Sorry, I thought there was no one here. There isn't. Okay. Well, maybe you could tell me about the signs then. What's the story behind that? That is a story indeed. For this town used to be full of life. It was a warm place for weary travelers to rest and a welcoming place loved by all its citizens. That was before Tally Jones appeared. Who is Tally Jones? If you can bear the cold a little while longer, listen close and I will tell you. It is the midst of winter. A lone hunter and their dog trapes through the forest. Snow crunches beneath their feet. After a long and fruitless hunt, the hunter is startled as a strange cry fills the air. Whoa, did you hear that, boy? I've never heard anything like it. There it is again. Go get him, boy. After a quick chase through the woods, the hunter and the dog find an unusual creature. My word, what is that? A gunshot echoes through the forest as the hunter takes his shot. Yes, sirree, I got it. Go on, don't let it get away, boy. Oh, blast. It ran up that tree. Well, never mind. Come on back, boy. Looky here, not all of it got away. It lost its tail. What fine-looking fur. We'll keep the fur for ourselves, but maybe Chef can do something with the rest. Come on, boy, let's call it a day. That evening, the hunter visits Chef at his cart in the streets of the little mountain village. Ho there, friend. What have you got for me today, hmm? Looks like mighty little. 
just have a look at what I got before you see things like that? It's only a measly tail. What do you expect me to do with that? Not just any tail. I got this off a creature in the forest I've never seen before. I didn't get a good look at it, but what I did see, it looked like a big cat with glowing green eyes. Mm -hmm. It was all covered in dark fur, dark as night, with this giant bushy tail. See? I got the fur right here. You don't say. It is very impressive. Well, let me have a look at that tailbone. Hmm, does have some meat on it, doesn't it? <laughs> Smells wonderfully gamey. I'll give you a fair price for it. How about 15? Come on now. This is rare stuff. 20. I'll buy it for 18 and no more than that. Sold. Chef cooked all the meat off the tail and made a batch of wonderful smelling soup that attracted a passerby. I say, what is this delicious smell? It is a specialty of mine, tail soup. Tail soup? We don't have that where I come from. I've never heard of it before. What kind of tail? That is a local secret. Only try some and you won't need to ask any more questions. Hmm, that is very good. It's probably the best soup I've ever had. I'll take the whole batch. That'll be 50. It's worth it. This should keep me warm and well-fed tonight. Very good. Well, enjoy the rest of your stay and come back if you need anything else. I will. Thank you. Later that evening, the hunter was making his way home when he heard it yet again, another strange sound coming from the darkness of the forest. Where is my tail? All I want is my tail. Huh? Who's there? You have my tail. Give me back my tail. Uh, I don't have your tail. I, I sold it. The chef has it. The hunter's dog, terrified, runs away with a yelp. Wait, where are you going, boy? Don't leave me. I see my tail. So furry and black. You have it, and I want it back. What? This fur? I don't even want it. Here, take it. I will. Ah! The night is late, and the streets are empty. The only sound is the cold wind blowing through the village and the chef packing up their wares. What a successful day. Those tailbones make the finest broth I've ever made. I'll be able to turn a profit from it for the rest of the season if I'm lucky. Where is my tail? Do you have my tail? Ah, sounds like word got out about my latest creation. It does make a very good soup. I'm packing up for the night, but I'll have more tail broth for sale in the morning. I want my tail. Give me my tail. Hunter, are you playing a game with me? I bought it fair and square. You can't have it back now. You bought my tail. Give me back my tail. I'm serious. You stop that and show yourself. Oh, my. No, no. Stay away. My tail. No, I don't have it. I sold it to a visitor. They have your tail. They ate it. My name is Tally Jones, and I smell that you have my taily bones. Fine. I don't need your taily bones. Here, take them. I will. Ah! 
The visitor has returned to their nice warm room. They have finished a bowl of hot soup, and now they are settling into bed for the night. What a cold night. A perfect night for delicious tail soup. This is a wonderful village. Maybe I'll think about moving here. Then I could have tail soup every day if I wanted. I want my tail. Please give me back my tail. What? Hmm, must have been the wind. Where is my tail? I need my tail. Is someone there? How did you get in here? You better get out or I'll call the innkeepers. They'll throw you out in the cold. You have my tail. Give me back my tail. No, I don't. I don't have any tails. Yes, you have. So very long, lean and strong. I miss my tail. Tally Jones leaps up on the bed, looking the lodger straight in the eyes. Give me back my tail. Now! I I didn't do it, I promise. The chef made a soup and sold it to me. Where is my tail? I... I... I ate it. I know! Ah! That night, the cold wind carried a strange sound that crept through windows and doors all over town. I've got my tail. Now I have my tail. That's why there's no hunting, no cooking, and no eating allowed here. Should Tally Jones still be looking for those responsible for taking its tail? Well, that is an interesting story, but what's the real reason no one lives here anymore? It is the real reason. It is a true story. You should probably be on your way, lest you find out how true it really is. In the distant forest, there's the cry of an animal. Oh, well, uh, yes, you're right. That's That's a fascinating story. What a quaint ghost town you have here. I'd best be going, though. Our next performance is El Cucuy, which I wrote, me. And it is a retelling of the El Cucuy folktale, basically his origin story. In the middle of the night, there is a full moon high in the sky. A small, frail man is walking through the woods, leaves and branches crunching beneath his feet. He has a lantern in his hand, and he is searching for a small cottage. It must be here. Everyone in the village knows that she lives in these woods. But has anyone actually seen her? Surely, someone must have. She must be here, somewhere. She must be. Francisco wanders deeper into the woods, becoming more and more desperate. He is about to give up and turn around and find his way back to the village when he sees a door. A plain, black, wooden door. No hinges, no wall. Just a door in between two trees. What? What is this? How is this possible? This ghastly door. Will it lead me to her? Francisco knocks on the door. Come in. I've been waiting for you, Francisco. How? 
How did you know my name and that I would come looking for you? Oh, Francisco, I know so much more than that about you. We have much to discuss. Please, have a seat. There's a cozy chair next to the fire. I'm just making some cafecito for this chilly evening. Would you like some, Francisco? You need something warm to help you with that shiver? Yes, please. Thank you. They sat by the fire, in cozy chairs, facing each other, and drinking coffee from clay mugs. I know why you're here, and I must say that there isn't much I can do for you. You know that the cancer has spread, wild like fire, through your body. You know that there isn't anything to be done. Please. Please. I do not want to die. I'm not ready to die. Oh, Francisco, everything dies. There is nothing good in this world that can take death from you or from anyone. I can tell you the exact day and time of your death. You can use that knowledge to make amends with those you have wronged, to proclaim your love for those close to your heart, and to find peace so that you may rest in your death. No! No! Please, tell me what I must do. I will do anything, if it means that I can live. You said nothing good in this world, but what if I am willing to do something unspeakable? What if I was willing to give up my soul? I cannot! No! I will not help you in such an awful act. Don't you understand such a thing as taking the life of a child will cost you more than your soul? It will cost you everything. And what is the point of living if you are not yourself? If you've lost your mind, your heart, and your soul? Taking the life of a child? Taking the life of children isn't all that would be required. It's only the beginning. I will tell you, Francisco, so you can see the immense tragedy that would have to be so that you could live. If you could call what would become of you living, you'd have to take the life of a child and drink that child's blood and rub its fat against your chest so that it may seep into your heart. You would have to do this constantly. With each child, your time increases, but your body changes. Your mind will lose all reason only thinking of the next time you'll feast on the blood of the truly innocent and your soul that is lost the first time you harm a child for your greed. Do you see, Francisco, the sorrow that you would cause, the fear and torture you would inflict, and what you would have to give up of yourself? Please, abandon this evil path and come to peace with your fate. Please. I I don't want to die, but I don't want to become a monster either. I'm not an evil man. I am afraid. So very afraid. I know. The fear of this life ending is great. But do not fear this, Francisco. Make amends. Love deeply while you can. And find your peace. Yes. I... Please. Will you tell me when my time will be up? Are you sure? Yes, I am. You have three months, starting from the moment you wake up. When I wake up? Francisco opened his eyes to find himself in his bed. He was fully clothed, and there was mud on his boots. Two months, three weeks, and six days had passed since Francisco had visited the curandera. He sits by the fire, watching the flames sway back and forth. This is not fair. I do not deserve this. I do not deserve to die. But I cannot do those horrible things she said I would have to do. My time is almost up. I have one day left to finish putting my affairs in order and go peacefully. But I am so afraid, so terribly afraid. 
Francisco went to bed and slept little as he tossed and turned throughout the night. Sleep was becoming more and more elusive as his time got closer to coming to an end. He did eventually fall into a deep sleep. He awoke to the sound of a child screaming obscenities. He got up and went to his window. Hey, what is this all about, screaming such filth? Where is your mother? What's it to you, old man? What did you say to me, you little brat? You heard me. And mind your own business. Bernardino, what are you doing out here? Oh, you woke up poor Senor Francisco. I'm so sorry. I'm sure she didn't mean to wake you. She's just having a bad morning. Senora, your child is out in the streets screaming obscenities. You should take her home and do something about that. And what do you suggest? Should I take her home and beat her into obedience? Hmm. People are always sticking their noses into my business, like you have some right to tell me how to be a parent. Well, you're obviously doing a great job. She's what? Seven? And she knows every dirty word in the book. You should mind your own business, senor. Bernardina's vocabulary is absolutely none of your concern. Like mother, like daughter. Maria took Bernardina's hand and dragged her towards their home as Bernardina continued to scream obscenities. Francisco closed his window and felt the anger boil his blood. What a hideous child. I have finished writing my will. I have sent letters to my friends expressing my wishes and saying goodbye. I have no family left to grieve my passing. That seems like a blessing and a curse. I should be at peace, but all I can think of is the end. I am still so terribly afraid of the end. I wish I had never asked the Kirondera to tell me the exact date of my death. I could have gone in my sleep, but now I will go with my eyes wide open. Francisco put out his fire and went to bed. He would at least try to go in his sleep. Bernardina, angry with having been scolded by her mother, decided to come play a prank on him. She was not very clever, and her idea of a prank involved her sneaking into his house and trying to frighten him. What was that noise? It must be death, here to claim me. Bernardina had managed to sneak into his home, but was at a loss of what to do next. Francisco got up and walked out of his bedroom. By the fireplace he saw a dark but small figure. Who is there? Ah! Is that you, Bernardina? You little brat, what are you doing in my home? I... I... Bernardina tried to run past him and escape, but he grabbed her. Francisco could feel his life coming closer to the end. He looked at Bernardina, and his fear and anger went beyond anything he had ever felt before. Let me go! Let me go! I am willing to do the most unspeakable thing, if it means that I can live just a little longer. Ah! <clears throat> Weeks have passed since Bernardina disappeared without a trace. The people of the village had assumed Francisco had gone somewhere to die on his own. Maria walks up and down the village streets, talking to anyone that will listen to her. Has anyone seen my sweet little Bernardina? She disappeared without a trace. I've heard talk that she's not, the, not been the only child to go missing in our little village. I've been searching the woods, but never entering that dark place during the night. I thought to do so one evening, but I saw two glowing red eyes glaring at me. I screamed, and whatever it was ran away. It looked like it could have been a man, but it had black fur and claws and red eyes. 
I know my Bernardino wasn't the most well-behaved child, but she was my child, and I love her. Please, has anyone seen her? Please! Oh, Bernardino, where could you be? Did El Cucuy get you and take you away? Oh, tell your children to beware. El Cucuy will come and get them if they do not behave. And our third performance for the day is a radio play based on the short story, The Lottery, by Shirley Jackson. This was originally published in 1946, and the script we're using today was adapted from her story and ran on NBC Presents Short Story on March 14, 1951. <coughs> Tonight, Shirley Jackson. She's novelist and short story writer, master of the sunny mood that turns to terror in a single sentence. But her statements are not dark for the sake of darkness, rather for the bitter truth that's in them. Shirley Jackson. Tonight, one of the most dramatic and horrifying of the Shirley Jackson stories, The Lottery. Here now, The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Floyd, Floyd! Floyd Summers, you get up out of that bed. Oh, taint seven yet. Of course it ain't. Now you get up, you hear? It's lottery day. Now, Dickie, you eat your cereal. I don't want no more, Ma. You eat up your cereal because you ain't going to have nothing but sandwiches till supper time. Sandwiches? You heard me. I'm not going to cook no three hot meals on lottery day. All right, Davy. That's enough for the chickens. Shoo! Shoo! Come on now, son. We've got to fork hay down for the cows. We won't be back all day. Ma coming too? Just like Sunday for church? Yeah, that's right. All folks from the town line will be in today for the lottery. I can't find my collar stud. Now who took my collar stud? Now, just don't fret, grandsire. It's around here somewhere. If I can't find my collar stud, I ain't going. 77 lotteries I've been to, never missed a one. Laura, you found my collar stud, you hear? The morning of June 27th was clear and sunny, with the fresh warmth of a full summer day. The flowers were blossoming, and the grass on the town green in front of the bandstand was a nice, warm summer green. The folks in the village and the farmers inside the township line began to gather in the square between the post office and the bank by about 10 o'clock. School was out for the summer, and the kids came in early to chase around the board sidewalks the way kids will. One, two, three. Bobby Martin and Harry Jones were sitting in front of the post office swapping stones. Bobby had his pockets full already, nice, smooth, round ones. The girls stood aside, talking among themselves and looking over their shoulders at the boys. And the very small children rolled in the dust, or clung to the hands of their older brothers and sisters. Morning, John. Morning, Mr. Summers. Nice day for the lottery, ain't it? Yes. Had rain yesterday all up to the North Village. They got to start the lottery a day ahead to get it done. 200 families. That right. Yup. Got to hustle to get the lottery over with up there. Won't take us more than maybe a couple hours. Seems longer. 
<laughs> That's the way it is with the lottery. I was talking it over with Mrs. Summers. It's the suspense makes the time go slow. Not slow enough. You draw this year, don't you? I guess so. Yeah, that's the rule, all right. Stranger in town draws in his second year. Morning, Mr. Summers. Joan. Ma'am. Morning, Mrs. Delacroix. And early, I see. Well, I don't get up to the village often. George don't like to leave the stock. You gonna have the store open after? Most likely. Didn't used to be done. Well, you got to be modern, I always say. Excuse me, won't you? Martins has just got in. It's a nice day for it, though. You can say that for a fact. Can't you go faster, Pa? We'll miss everything. Oh, don't worry, Davy. We'll get there in plenty of time. I want to go into Summer Store after to get some patterns. Elsie Dunbar told me he's got some new ones in, uh, in for short-waisted figures. Let's not talk about it, Tessie. What do you mean? I've got that flowered stuff left over from last year, and if I can't get a good pattern... I don't want to talk about after. Oh. Come on, Paul. Can we go no faster? All right. Hup. There, get up. Hup. Hup there. I was talking to John Gunderson. The school teacher? Mm-hmm. He's got to draw this year. It's only right. Second year in town. I told him I was thinking of packing and moving out. Bill Hutchinson, you crazy? I told him I was going to pack the wagon and tie the stalk onto the end of it and just move out. You mean just just leave the farm? That's right. I was going to do it before lottery day this year. That's crazy, Bill. Where would you settle? Why, your folks have farmed that ground since heaven knows when. Yep, I know. I was going to just move out. It's too late now. Oh, Bill, you talk the same way every year. No sense to it. No, there's no sense to it. A woman sees things like this clear. You just don't think about it, that's all. You come in for the lottery, then go to Summers and buy something nice, talk to folks. Why didn't you look at it that way, Bill? Yeah, I suppose you're right. School teacher agreed with me, though. Go on, get up there. That's the way, Pa. Hurry up. We'll miss all the fun. Soon the men began to gather, standing around smoking, looking at the kids, talking about planting. Rain, tractors, taxes, you know. Dickie Delacroix and a couple of kids had made a great big pile of stones in one corner of the square, and they were playing King of the Hill on it. The men stood together, away from the pile of stones, watching. Their jokes were quiet, and they smiled rather than laughed. Oh, they're nice-looking folks, aren't they, John? Yeah, they're nice. You don't see them all together except on Lottery Day. Of course, there's Sunday in church, but some of them go to the Congregationalists and some to the Baptist, and folks like the Dunbars don't go nowhere. Morning, Mr. Summers. Morning, Tessie. I've got those patterns in. I'll be over right after. John? Morning, Bill. I want to talk to you. Hello, Summers. Morning. Don't worry about me. I've got to see about the box and all for the drawing. Oh, morning, Charlie. How's the folks? Well, it's the day. Yeah? You going to draw? I've got to. That's the rules. 
You said you wouldn't. I sat there in the post office and you said you wouldn't. I know, but I'd have to leave town and it isn't easy to get another school this late. Well, anyways, you only draw for yourself. Tessie keeps talking about after. Starts me to sweating. She keeps talking about buying a pattern up to the summer store after. Short-waisted, she said. I suppose you get used to it. I suppose if you've always had it, you don't think about it. I don't. I lived in this village all my life. I don't get used to it. Pa, can I stay with Diggy Delacroix? Can I stay with him? No, you've got to stay with the family, Davy. Pa, the other kid's got all the stones. Can I stay with him? Davy, I said... Davy, come here, Davy. David. Look at that. He's having fun. All the kids are having fun. Why? That's what I want to know. Why? You're a farmer. You know the answer. You told me you couldn't find anything in the book says it has to be. It stands to reason you'd find it in the books, don't it? This isn't my part of the country, Hutchinson. I don't make the rules. Well, don't it stand to reason you could try to find out the truth? That's all I say. You can't argue with the folks about the lottery. I've tried. No, you can't argue with folks. Well, anyways, it's a nice day for it. It ain't right. I've been telling him year after year it ain't right. Now, Grandsire, take it easy. Now, you listen to me, Floyd Summers. I'm the oldest man in the village. Seventy-seven years I've been in the lottery. Seventy-seven years. Yeah, I know that, Mr. Warner, but... Don't butt me. No, sir, don't butt me. I know what's right about the lottery. It ought to be chips of wood. One chip with the name of every family all in the big black box. We can't do it that way, Grandsire. You know that. The box ain't big enough. That's the way it was when I was a boy. Chips of wood. None of this here bitty pieces of paper. Paper. (laughs) What kind of a lottery you expect to have with paper? Well, there's too many folks in the village for wood anymore. Ah, nobody pays any mind to the old ways. There ought to be marching, too. I I remember marching and, and somebody sort of chanting-like. That's what there ought to be on lottery day. Uh, that was a long time ago. Nobody remembers that anymore. Yes, that's the trouble. Nobody remembers. Now, you take that black box. It's cracking. We ought to make a new one. A new one? Listen to him. A new box. Well, they used that box in my father's time for the lottery. And he told me it's made from the pieces of the box in his grandfather's time. Now, you're supposed to be in charge of that box. Why, I saw it year before last lying in the Graves' barn. And this year it sat right on the shelf in your store. Now, is that a new way to take care of that box? They don't run the lottery the way they used to. Hey, I've been in it 77 years and I ought to know. Tessie? Tessie, come here. What? Oh, excuse me, Mrs. Delacroix. All right, Tessie. Tessie? What is it, Bill? Where's Davy? Playing with the other children. There by the stones. Get him. Get him over here. Why? We're hitching up and getting out. Oh, we've got to wait for the drawing. We can't go now. I said we're going now. Oh, Bill, don't be silly. First place, we came all the way into the village for the lottery. Second place, summers won't be open till after. And I want to get those patterns. After? 
don't you understand? Suppose, suppose. Bill, I'm surprised at you. Why nobody else acts this way? You, you've got to just take it as it comes. You're a farmer. You know that. What's that got to do with it? Well, you didn't take on when the hog died of cholera before killing time. You just went on. But that's different. It just happened. You can't help if stock gets sick. See? That's what I mean. You won't go. No, I won't. Neither will you. I don't get into the village often, and lottery day is one time I can see all the other women and talk. I'm not going back till it's all over and supper time. My goodness, Bill. You'd think it was something unusual. Lottery comes every year. It always has. The lottery was conducted, as were the square dances, the teenage club, and the Halloween program by Mr. Summers, who had time and energy to devote to civic affairs. He was a round-faced, jovial man, and the people were sorry for him because he had no children and his wife was a scold. He was busy in the middle of the square with a little black box, setting it up and balancing it on a three-legged stool. One of you folks want to give me a hand with the box, Mr. Martin? All right, Floyd! Here, just hold it on that corner steady there. Ah, watch hands, Summers. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're going to do this fair and square just like always. Now, last night, up at the coal company office, Mr. Graves and I made up the slips of paper. It ought to be chips of wood. What kind of piddling lottery can you have with slips of paper? Now, anyway? grandsire, don't you interrupt Mr. Summers. They're in the box here. Anybody wants to can haul them out and check them over. Time now for the swearing in. Mr. Graves will administer the oath to me. I expect, as usual, we'll waive election. Didn't used to be no election. Used to pass from father to son. All right, all right. All right, all right. Do you, Floyd Summers, solemnly swear to carry out the duties of this lottery without fear, favor, or prejudice? bias or any other untoward acts of omission or commission so help you i do you tell him floyd <laughs> well i expect now we're ready we'll proceed as usual drawing by family as according to the rules wait a minute you wait a minute floyd summers hmm. Hmm. What? what's going on looks like another interruption oh morning mrs martin how do you like that? Clean forgot what day it was. Hello, Tessie. <laughs> hey, Miss Martin. Hello, Miss mm. Martin. Thought my old man was uh, out back stacking wood. Then I looked out the window and the kids was gone. And I remembered it was the 27th and came a running. Did I miss anything? Oh, you're in time. They're still talking up there. We was just beginning, Mrs. Martin. Now you just take your place with your family. And still wet from the dishwater. <laughs> Well, now, I guess we better get started. Let's get this over with so as we can get back to work. Ain't everybody here? Huh? Well, now, let's, uh, this ain't the drawing. Just checking the list. Now, uh, Adams? Adams? Mm -hmm. uh, well, glad to see ya. I missed you last Saturday. I guess you made it after all, huh, Miss Martin? Well, now, Tessie, between you and me, I knew it was lottery day. But you wouldn't have me leave the dishes in the sink now, would you? <laughs> Dunbar. Dunbar? Mm -hmm. Where's Dunbar? 
Dunbar, come on. Who draws for Dunbar? Clyde broke his leg, didn't he? Now who's drawing for him? Well, I guess I draw. Oh, that's right. That's the rule. Wife draws for husband. Septon, you've got a grown boy to do it for you. Haven't you, Janie? Well, Horace is not but 16 yet. Guess I got to fill in for the old man this year. All right. All right. Got it. That checked. Watson boy drawing this year? Hmm. Yeah? Oh, there you are, Charlie. Good to see your mother's got a man to do it. I suppose old man Warner's here. No darn well I'm here, Floyd Summers. I'm just talking to you. I ain't missed a lottery in 77 years. <laughs> all right, Grandsire. I was just joking. Hmm. Well, that gets all the lists straight. All the rest is straight families. Unless anybody's got anything to add, we're ready for the drawing. Yeah, I got nothing. Mm-mm-mm. Now then, Adams. Adams? Adams? Adams. There he is. He's coming. Adams. Okay, mm. there. Yeah. Yep. Hi, Steve. Just draw anyone. Don't look at it till after. Next, uh, Adamson. Adamson. That's right. That does it. Anderson. Anderson. Seems like they changed the order of drawing, don't it, Tessie? Oh no, that's the way it's always been. Seems like there's just no time at all between lotteries anymore. Seems like we got through the last one only last week. I declare the way time flies. Time sure goes fast. Delacroix? Delacroix. There goes my old man. Now don't worry, Agnes. Dunbar. Dunbar? That's you, Janie. Oh, well, if you ladies will excuse me. (laughs) Come on, Janie, you're holding us up. There she goes. I'm coming, I'm coming. Folks shouldn't hold up the lottery. It takes up a perfectly good morning as it is. Last year, I didn't get time for half the things I meant to do in town. You're right, Tessie. My old man says he don't like lottery days because I always run the bill up at some sky high. Gunderson? John Gunderson? There goes the schoolmaster. I'm not going to draw, Mr. Summers. What? Wait, no, he, he has to draw. He has to. Gotta draw. Now, John, you know the rules. This is your second year in the village. I know, but I'm not going to draw. Now, now don't be contrary, boy. Everybody draws in the lottery. What makes you better, schoolmaster? I don't believe in it. <gasps> Now, that isn't the point, John, and you know it. Listen to him. He don't believe in the lottery. You hear that? Now, take it easy, grandsire. Well, we've always had the lottery. Everybody knows that. Always have and always will. Over in the North Village, they're talking of giving up the lottery. A pack of crazy fools in the North Village. Listen to this idiot. Nothing's good enough for him. Next thing you know, they'll want to be going back to living in caves. Nobody work anymore. Live like that for a while, and who knows where you're going to be. They don't have the lottery up where I come from. Stopped it years ago. Yeah, maybe so, but we ain't fools, not here. Used to be a saying, lottery in June, corn will grow soon. You listen to him with his books and cipher, and first thing you know, we'll all be eating stewed chickweed and acorns. You're right, grandsire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. there's always yep. been a lottery. Bad enough it ain't what it used to be with Floyd Summers up there joking and all, but there's always been a lottery. But why? Why? 
I tell you, they stopped it up north. More villages every year, and the corn grows just as high. Nothing but trouble in that pack of fools. Now, you ain't no farmer, Gunderson. Old man Warner's right. Yes, sir. Lottery in June, corn will grow soon. That's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. You can't get around that, schoolmaster. Lottery in June. But nobody mm-hmm. knows. You've never tried. You just go on and on every year the same way. You're darn tooting and we're going right on just like we always done. What call is a young outsider to talk that way on lottery day? That's what I'd like to know. I don't get raw, Grandsire. 77 years I've been coming to lottery day. But can't you see there's no reason for it? No reason. Year after year for generations on June 27th. If you'd only think. If you'd only try. If you were willing to use reason instead of blind obedience to a crazy, outworn Mm-mm. tradition. <sighs> That'll be about enough now, John. You spoke your piece. Now we better get down to business. Rules say if anybody balks, the committee draws for them. Yeah. Now, ain't that right, folks? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yep. Certainly is. That's right. Now, I'm going to call you again regular and proper. If you stand mute, we'll go right on and draw for you. Now, which is it? All right. All right. I'll go. Fine. Fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Now, let's get on. Hutchinson. Bill Hutchinson. Get on up there, Bill. There goes your man, Tessie. Imagine the schoolmaster making such a fuss. He's no better than the rest. Everybody draws on lottery day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sir. Now the last one. Warner? Yes, sir. I'm here. I'm right here. (laughs) All right, grandsire. Take it easy. No rush. This makes the 77th year I've been in the lottery. Yes, sir. 77 times. All right, draw your slip now. Yep. Got it. All right, it's all done. Martin, close the box. Mm. <sighs> Who's got it? What family? I ain't, I ain't got it. Grandsire, let me see your paper. Let me see it. You let go of my hand, you hear? I can take care of myself. Ma? Ma? Is it us? Is it us, Ma? Well, for goodness sake, what family is it? Who's got it? All right, all right, all right, folks. Now, let's do this orderly. Come now, come on. Now, what family's got the black slip? It's the Hutchinsons. There, look, Bill Hutchinson's got it. Oh, it's the Hutchinsons. Yeah, that's right. Peggy, Peggy, you run to tell your father. It's the Hutchinsons. Go on, run. It isn't fair. It isn't fair. Floyd Summers, I saw you. You didn't give him time to take any slip he wanted. I saw you. It wasn't fair. Now, Tessie, be a good sport. All of us took the same chance. It isn't fair, I tell you. It just isn't. Shut up, Tessie. Uh, Well, now, everybody, that was done pretty fast. Just one hour and two minutes. Good. Good time. Mm -hmm. Now, we've got to be hurrying a little more to get done before noon. It wasn't fair. Now, Bill, uh, let's see. You draw for the Hutchinson family, don't you? You got any other households in the Hutchinsons? There's Dawn and Eva. Make them take their chance. Make them draw. Now, Tessie, Eva's your daughter, but she's married now. Daughters draw with their husbands' families. You know that as well as anyone else. 
it, it, it isn't fair. I guess that's it, Floyd. My daughter draws with her husband's family. That's only fair. Well, now, Bill, I guess there's just us. Floyd, Davy, Tessie, and me. All right, now, and as far as, as drawing for families is concerned, it's you. And as far as drawing for households is concerned, that's you, too? Yes, that's right. Martin, you give me the tickets for the Hutchinsons. All three of them. You got their tickets back? I got them. They're in the box, Floyd. All set, then. I I think we ought to start over. Now, Tessie. Oh, what is he doing? I tell you, it wasn't fair. He didn't give him time enough to choose. Everybody saw that. Well, I have to get on it now. Are you ready, Bill? Listen, everybody, listen. You've got to listen. It wasn't fair. You could see that. Ready, Bill? Ready. Davy picks first, then you, then Tessie. Now you got that? Here, help little Dave. Davy, come here. Sure, Pa. It wasn't fair. Mrs. Delacroix, you could see. They didn't give him time. Now don't make a fuss, Tessie. It ain't fitting. All right, now, Bill, you take the slips and keep them folded till everybody picks. Come on, Davy. Go on, son. Now, Davy, I want you to pick a piece of paper out of this box and hold it tight. You understand? Sure, Mr. Summers. All right, pick now. <laughs> uh, just one paper, Davy. I got one. Good. Now, you better hold it for him, Martin. All set. All right, Bill, one paper. That's right. Now, Tessie. Oh, no. No, it isn't fair. Tessie, you've got to draw. Come on, Tessie. All right. All right. Mm, Who's it going to be? I hope it ain't the child. Mm. That just don't seem Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, it's not the way it used to be. I tell you, I'd be chips of wood. Lottery ain't like it used to be, and people ain't the way they used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Quiet, quiet now, folks. Now, let's open the papers. Davy. Come on, Davy, open your paper. There's nothing on it. Well, oh, yeah, good. Bill? Mine's blank. Then I guess it's Tessie. Oh, no! No! Show us her paper, Bill. Just the rules. Tessie, open your hand. No, 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 no! Come on now, open your hand. No. Yep, it's Tessie, all right. Oh, yeah, Tessie. Mm. Mama, I'm going over to the pile of stones, all right? All right, folks. Let's finish quickly now. No, no, no. It isn't fair. Oh, Bill. Bill. No, Bill. <laughs> it's too late, Tessie. There's nothing I can do. Come on, Miss Delacroix. We'd better get a good stone before they're all gone. Oh, do you save one for me? Well, hurry up. She'll be running soon. It isn't fair. There wasn't time. Oh, Bill, Bill, please. Bill. You heard him, Tessie. Lottery in June. Corn will grow soon. It isn't true. It isn't true. 
Ma, here's a stone for you. Here, Ma. Oh, that's a nice boy, Dickie. Mm, what a nice big stone. Well, you'll have to go ahead and I'll catch up with you. I can't run at all with arthritis in my knees. All right. There's Davy. Davy! Davy, come here. Yes, ma'am? Now, here's a little stone for you. Take it. Sure. Now, you come along with me, Davy. Sure. I don't want to miss the fun. We've got to run after Ma now, huh? That's right, Davy. Come on. It isn't fair. Listen, everybody. They didn't give him time. It wasn't fair. Come on, everybody. Agnes. Come on, Davy. Throw your stone. Go on. Throw your stone. It isn't fair. It isn't right. Oh, Bill, Bill, you can't let them. Not me. It can't be me. It wasn't fair. They can't do it to me. Agnes, Emily, you can't. You can't really. Not me. Go on, Davy, now. Throw your stone. No, no, not the stones. No, it isn't right. Oh, Davy, Davy, my own baby. Don't, don't. <sighs> ah! It was all over by noon. The sun was hot on the square, and the men stood around the blacksmith shop, smoking and talking about planting and tractors and taxes. And the women gathered in summers and bought yard goods and patterns and notions. The little children played in the dust, throwing pebbles at each other. The lottery was over for this year. Lottery in June? Corn will grow soon. Next year? Next June 27th? Well, maybe we'll learn. Maybe there'll be no lottery. Maybe we'll begin to unto reason to find the truth. Maybe we'll find out we don't have to pick out folks in the lottery just because our fathers and their fathers did it, because it always was that way. Maybe next year there won't be a lottery. It's up to all of us. Chances are there will be, though. You've heard The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, whose novel The Hangsman will be published soon. The adaptation was by Ernest Kenoy of NBC. The director of NBC Presents Short Story is Andrew C. Love. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Bong, bong, bong. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. And this has been our special performances of... Scary Tales for Halloween. Tis the season. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed and uh, and were at least a little perturbed or frightened. Yeah, at least what, disturbed. Yeah, that's what these things are for. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed as much as we've enjoyed performing it for you. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>